Hey, Lily, remember the last MTP conference? We had a session about pitching stupid and brilliant product ideas, and you had a really good one about makeup. Oh, yeah. You mean the one where you can take an outfit or like a dress or a blazer or something into the store and then get your nail varnish color matched to the outfit. It's a bit like Dulux does with paint, and I can't believe it doesn't exist already. Okay, I'm totally sold on this. It sounds like a great idea. But one thing, how much should we charge for it? Uh, hang on. We? Who says I'm cutting you in on my brilliant idea? Um, but yeah, I guess it's a good question. Figuring out pricing is such a challenge. Maybe we could just work out the cost and add 50%? That's definitely one way of doing it, but... Pricing isn't something I've had to do very often. I'm definitely not an expert on this one, which is why we brought in Fanny Fayish for a chat today. She's a coach at Founders Factory and has worked with a bunch of startups on the basics of how to get started with pricing. Well, that was very thoughtful of you, Randy. You went and booked her in just to help me launch this idea. Um, but I'm not quite ready to quit the day job yet. So let's just make sure we cover this for everyone. Let's go. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more. Mind the Product also offers free Product Tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Hi, Fanny. It's so lovely to welcome you onto the podcast today. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Um, All the better for chatting with you today. Um, So before we get kicked off on our topic of the day, it would be great if you could give us a real quick intro into what you do, kind of how you got into product. Um, Yeah, uh, that would be fantastic. Awesome. Sure. So currently I'm a product coach at Funders Factory, which is a startup accelerator and a venture studio. In the studio, I work closely with the founders, mainly to help him launch their very first version of the product. And then in the accelerator, uh, we focus mainly on growth. Um, I got into product back in Hungary, where I'm from. Um, after uni, uh, I wanted to do management consultancy. And one of my teachers knew about this and recommended this new company that was founded by four ex-McKinsey consultants. Um, and I thought it was a great opportunity to join and learn from them. And they were back then building a digital lab, which really sounded cool, but I didn't also know anything about it. Uh, <laughs> so I joined as the second hire. And uh, to be completely honest with you, none of us really knew what we were doing back then. Uh, but then... Uh, but we were also very determined and then their hard work paid off. And that's where I fell in love with technology and decided to pursue a career in product from then on. That's yeah, fantastic. So Fanny, one of the things that you coach at Founders Factory is you help founders figure out how to price their product. And that's something that I've never been a go-to market person 
for a lot of people, pricing is scary. Why yeah. is it such a mystery for so many of us? So just to give you a little bit of context, um, the reason I got into this was because it was just requested by so many of our startups to um, have a session or just help them uh, through pricing. And I thought it was a great opportunity for me to put my product head on and research and then learn and then iterate and, and experiment about pricing. So I we kind of developed a um, pricing framework uh, based on strategic pricing. And uh, it was pretty successful. So I thought it might be sharing with the uh, Mind the Product community. That's how I ended up having uh, an article on the webpage. And the reason for it being really scary, I think, is because when I start to talk about experimenting, testing, and when I tied it back to pricing, it's just, you know, uh, it's just a red flag for people. Can we change prices? Can we really test and iterate on prices? And often, like, the, the case is that, yes, we can. Uh, we are just a bit more afraid of it. And maybe that is why, why PMs don't really get into pricing at all. What I, I believe is important is just to know that pricing is not some sort of mysterious machine or the pricing strategy itself that, you know, gives you the right price. It's more of a strategy in terms of understanding what's the value that you are creating who you are creating that value for and how much their willingness is to pay for that value and combining all that. So you mentioned there that some PMs don't get involved in the pricing side of things. In your experience, does it end up falling within another team within the business? So that can happen. Um, I've seen like all sorts of different uh, setups when pricing was handled by strictly the finance department. Sometimes it was handled by the go-to-marketing experts. Sometimes it was a combination of having different departments uh, having a say in it. So mm. it's a um, kind of um, different case by company. Mm. But I would strongly advise that even if PMs are not driving the discussion necessarily, uh, they get involved because who else would be better suited to explain what the value is that we create for the customer? And I imagine the early stage, if you have competitors in the market, then that gives you like a baseline to start from because you just look at the competition and go, well, they're charging this much and their pricing model is this. So this is kind of what our customers are going to be expecting. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have that, then that's where it can be really confusing. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a strategy for the ones who don't necessarily have dire competitors. But just before going into that, competitors-based pricing is something that's a little bit old-fashioned. It's very reactive and it's not, it doesn't really rely on understanding what's the real value that your mm -hmm. product creates. What you really want to make sure is that you understand how you differentiate yourselves from your competitors because basically the economic value is uh, of your product is uh, you can use as a baseline your best competitor. And then on top of that, um, the differentiator value is that what you can add? So as as of um, some of the price, that would be a good starting point to start like figuring out the price level. Um, but when you don't have competitors, direct competitors, uh, then you still have an option to kind of go and research a little bit more on non-direct competitors and use that as a baseline. 
Just to give you an example, for example, Netflix and Amazon Prime are great direct competitors, but indirect competitor for them would be customers reading a book because yeah. they are using exactly the same time on the day that they would either use watching Netflix or, you know, reading a book. So when you think about competitors, just think about the context of your customer and what would they be doing if they weren't using your product or what would be their workaround to solve exactly the same problem that your product is solving now. Do you take the same approach to figure out pricing if you are going direct to consumer or if you're a B2B or, or are there totally different strategies for the two markets? So the approach is very similar in terms of relying on, as I said, like, and I probably said this word a hundred times and I will say it one, uh, a thousand times um, in the future as well. It all starts with, with understanding the value. But how you can get there could be a little bit different. With B2C, also testing is a lot easier uh, because you can do all sorts of multivariate testing, landing page testing, ad testing, you name it. While when it comes to B2B, it's a little bit harder to get like a, get data on how much people are willing to pay for your product. Um, so in that case, if you are, it's a bit trickier, but in that case, you still have options to use. Uh, for example, you can use all sales opportunities as a testing opportunity for the price. You can show like in the beginning, as it's more about negotiation anyway, until you haven't established a pricing st uh, strategy for your product. Um, and so every single discussion there could be used as an opportunity to learn about uh, your customer's budget about their decision-making process. And you can ask questions literally about like, okay, so I know that you work with this other company named X. How long did it take for them to get through, you know, the process and finish the deal? And by that, you kind of have an understanding of, okay, does this fit with, with our sales cycle? Is it longer? Is it shorter? And then you can have a few follow-up questions. All right, so if that's the case, how long um, could we speed this up a little bit or you could also ask them what sort of budget you can still approve and what sort of budget needs to go to the finance department or to the CFO to be approved and so that can help you figure out where you can start the pricing from uh, but yes in B2B testing and iterating on it it's a bit trickier than in B2C. Um, so just thinking about you know, it's not just the number that you put on it when you were talking about pricing, but it's also potentially different levels of uh, what would you call them, like account or, you know, different tiers, if you like, of service. How would you sort of recommend people try and understand what those tiers might be? So what you are really looking for here is the difference in behaviour. Who are the customers who are using your product? That's question one. But then question one, how do they use your product? And the key here is to identify groups that are using your product differently. And once you have that, then you can build up packages to suit each groups uh, so that you are not leaving money on the table by not fulfilling the needs of either group. Um, so if we have group A, for example, that comes in every single day, does ABC in your product, and then you have group B who comes in once a week and does C and D 
um, that's a really strong finding for you that you can use as a base when you are uh, developing your tires because those two groups are, are behaving significantly differently. So probably that the value that they are getting out of your product is different. And once you understand that value, you are able to better target your customers, but also you are able to create um, packages that really speak for them and work for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So would you give the product away free for a while to begin with so that you can begin to see this behavior with a, um, and I guess, I guess it really depends because if it's a kind of yeah. B2B enterprise product, obviously you're not going to give yeah. that away for free. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But thinking about if you're in a situation where, you know, it's maybe like a lower value product, yeah, would would you kind of give it away for free so that you can, you know, see some of that behavior come through and then try and break it down into tears? Yeah, this is a tough question. I have a personal opinion. If you can avoid giving the product for free, then do. If not, then, you know, and you need desperately the feedback from uh, the customers, then just go ahead and have it free. But um, when it comes to B2B or enterprise businesses, um, usually it would anyway start with a pilot agreement with a few companies. And there I would suggest to make sure that you have an end date, even if the pilot is for free. If you can ask for money, that's even better. But if the pilot is free, then just make sure that it is for a certain amount of time and then you have the chance to renegotiate from there once you delivered on your promise. And uh, when it comes to B2C, I think that's a less uh, risky uh, start, like, you know, just to have early bird um, users on your platform and to give it them for free. But even in that case, in my personal experience, it is easier for uh, to ask for more money uh, than ask for money at all. <laughs> so that's just something to consider. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. If you don't understand how people are using your site or product, you're leaving money on the table. Don't leave money on the table, Randy. That's a waste. But I'm American, Lily. I leave tips. I think maybe we're both being a bit too literal here, Randy. (laughs) Yeah, fair, tough, but fair. Let's be honest here, though. Traditional analytics alone for your website or product just won't tell you the full story. And Hotjar's behavior analytics tool lets you see how people experience your site or product and gives your users a voice. Eliminate the guesswork. Use Hotjar to understand how users experience and interact with your product so you can make the changes that matter most. Try Hotjar for free today at hotjar.com mtp. Fanny, I love how you talk about that. It's easier to ask for more money than to ask for money at all. And I really want to talk to you about optimizing strategy, price strategy and how to test and all that. But I have one more question on this, which is there's a lot of companies and a lot of products that have a freemium tier to get okay. people involved. So how does that work? How do you recommend using freemium in combination with what you just said? So, yeah, so freemium works very well if you have a product that's kind of based on some sort of collaboration. And it is really easy mm. to start using. 
because you just don't want to have any barriers for the people coming to use your product in that case, because what the really gives the value if is if people invest time in your product. And so that is the reason also to introduce payable a little bit later anyway, because by then, for them, the cost of change would be quite high. Um, so you are not losing with actually introducing freemium as an um, acquisition strategy. Um, with products that are hard to onboard or take long time to onboard, really hard to realize the value of in the very first minute of start using it, I would advise against because that's just like, you know, it might feel like um, it just might not be the right um, customer experience uh, because if it takes time, if it's long for them to get used to it, they might as well just give it up before they actually get to the value. And yeah, I would just consider how it would fit within your product offering. So we talked earlier as well about testing pricing. One of the things that I've always found really confusing is how you can test pricing if it's kind of transparent to the world. So, you know, if you have a couple of different landing pages with a couple of different prices on them, how do you, you know, not upset customers who they, when they find out, oh, I was paying more because of, um, you know, I just ended up on the wrong landing page. Yeah, so it is, you're right, it's a little bit riskier to to test this way, but it's also faster way of testing. Um, so if you are happy to take that risk for a short period of time while you are testing it, then go with the, with landing page tests. It, you know, it will take time for them to figure out. And also when they figure out, you can just explain. If you're being super transparent about that, that's also a really good strategy uh, with customers. Why you are doing this, you know, just, just making sure that they uh, get the right value and you find the right price uh, for your product. And then the second thing that you can do is you can launch surveys as well. In that case, just make sure that you are trying to ask them about their past behavioral rather than about the willingness to pay. You can introduce packages and they can tell you which package they like the most. But then if you have different packages there and one of, and you know, you have the cheapest option, then that can skew the results. But what you uh, learn about them, if they are your customers who do the survey with, you can learn about them. What is the price that they are willing to pay for other products like your product? And that can give you a really good indication. So, for example, if they are subscribed to Spotify, then you know that at least that amount of money they pay every month uh, for listening to music. And then you can build a better persona uh, profile uh, using that information and then kind of understand, like, how does your product fit into that? I think it's really interesting. I've I've always shied away personally from asking people about pricing and surveys because I've assumed that they won't tell me the truth. (laughs) Yeah, and you are absolutely right. I completely agree with that. Like, if you're asking them about, do you like it? better if it's if it, if it costs five pounds or ten pounds obviously i would go for five even if I was <laughs> yeah. right so uh you're absolutely right so you have to be a little bit trickier if you do use surveys 
asking these hypothetical questions anyway is not the best methodology in discovery. Um, so try to ask about past, past experience and try to like have a workaround for that. I wanted to ask you about another term that I've heard a lot and I've seen in action, but I've never had to use it myself. And that's the concept of anchor pricing. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and how you should use it? And is it a bit of a dirty tactic? <laughs> really good question. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's more of a communication technique in my mind because it allows you to make one package or plan seem worthier than other and hence uh, tell the customer to buy that one, which could be used very ethically that, you know, this is just the right product. This is just the right plan for you to use. But in often cases, it is more likely to be the best option for the company. So, and I, I do think that customers sometimes realize that. So whenever you are using anchoring, which basically means that you are favoring one of the plans over the others, um, make sure that you have a reason for that. It's either because it's the, you know, really truly the best money for value for certain people. And if, if they be like, for example, if you have a pricing that starts with a package that's free, then you have a pricing which has uh, like a starter, uh, which has a certain price. And then you have one more package and then the fourth one is for enterprise. It is very easy for me as an enterprise to identify with the fourth package, even though one of the other packages was, you know, anchored. But if I come in as a smaller customer, then for me, it's, you know, it's either or uh, with the two middle packages and for me, it would be really great if I understood, like, what am I getting from the package that costs more if I go with that? And if you can explain very clearly that the reason for going with this package, which you highlighted, is that because you will be able to get this and that, then I think this is a fair tactic to use. You know, otherwise, yeah, it can be a little bit nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so one of the things that I've always heard um, working in startups is, you know, just like make the product free. And then when you get the numbers, the money just comes. <laughs> um, but um, I guess when you're thinking about pricing, you know, and, and beginning to introduce pricing into your product, whether that's like right from the beginning or when you have a certain number of um, users, should you be thinking about it in terms of profits? So should you be kind of like calculating the cost of running the product and running the business um, and then working out from there, this is how the cost of the subscription that we need to, uh, or, or whatever, you know, whether it's a subscription model or an, another kind of model. So this is how much it needs to be in terms of like wanting to pay for itself. Yeah, so cost is also important to factor in, but it it shouldn't be the driver of your pricing strategy. By course, when it comes to software, usually it is very scalable. Um, and so you don't really need to worry about cost that much unless you have a very complex product and you are playing on an enterprise 
field, the sales cycles can get really long. In that case, you need to kind of factor that in when it comes to um, building up the pricing strategy. You can use as a tactic that uh, in the beginning that you are asking and you're not actually considering cost and you are asking for an amount that you can ask for. Uh, but at some point you would need to be like very clear with yourself whether that's a viable business that you are building. And if you are a startup, not only with yourself, but also with investors as well. Um, so it is good to have in the back of your mind, like what is the desired outcome that you would like to get to with your pricing and with your, with your revenue. But you just can't ignore the fact that you need to deliver that value to the customer. And, and if they are not willing to pay for it that much, then, you know, your product is not solving a big enough problem or your product is not solving it well enough in order to get that income in return. So this is, I think this is kind of a balancing act. So do you think that those kind of early stage startups should have a plan, a, like a pricing strategy before they even build the product and understanding of what people will pay before they even embark on building the product? I think this is more of a conversation and it's it's a journey. Um, so they don't necessarily have to have a firm picture about what's the price that they want to ask for it. But it's good to start thinking about certain price levels and how it would change the uh, financial plan. Also, uh, another good thing to pay attention to before you really go to even before you go to market is, is there a way for you to understand who is going to use your product and how they are going to use your product? Because unless you have all these tools in place to have a good, deep understanding of that, that's just going to be really hard to make a decision of the pricing level and both the strategy retrospectively once you don't have the data. So it is um, what I would suggest in the very beginning is just to have a few sessions with your whole team to think about the inputs you would need in three months of time so that you set yourself up for success and you make sure you gather those inputs. By inputs, I mean any fundraising input, any usage data from your customers, anything uh, about the financial plan that you already started thinking about and data about your competitors, data about your costs. Those are all important factors to make the most of the pricing strategy, but um, none of them is a single driver of it. Okay, so I just have one more question, Fanny. Um, it's been really interesting talking to you about all this stuff, by the way. But how how do you know if you've got your pricing right? Really good question. So this is not something that you get right and it stays right for a certain amount of time. So once you are in a good position and you feel like you're making enough money while your customers are being super happy, that's a good sign of a success. But that will change, I guarantee you. That will be com- there will be competitors coming uh, to the market. The context and the behavior of your customers will change over time. So this is not something that you are done at some point with. This is something that you constantly do and iterate on. And if there is a rule of thumb that I can I can say in my personal experience was once you got to an initial good situation where everything just played out nicely, 
then every six months or so, it's worth revisiting whether anything has changed on the market. And just keep continue collecting the data to back those decisions up uh, and keep learning about it because the pricing strategy just won't last very long. Awesome. Thank you, Fanny. Um, I think we've run out of time for any more questions, but it's been so great talking to you. It is such a tricky subject. Um, yeah. And I am very grateful that you have created a framework for us all to use. <laughs> um, and we shall be sharing the link to that in the show notes. So if anyone has um, an interest in pricing, they should take a look. Thank you so much for having me today. Really. Thank you, Fanny. Pricing is so tricky, but there's a lot of great tips there from Femi. Yes, there is. And if you have any topics that you want us to cover or any questions you want answered, we are here for you. We're here for you on the pod and we're also here on the Twitters. So just give us a tweet at MTPpod. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith. And me, Randy Silver. Emily Tate is our producer and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW. That's P-A-U. Thanks to Arna Kittler, who runs Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg and plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. Connect with your local product community via Product Tank, our regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, you can consider starting one yourself. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. Product Tank is a global community of meetups driven by and for product people. We offer expert talks, group discussion, and a safe environment for product people to come together and share learnings and tips. Mm-hmm.